What's up guys? You're here with me, Nick. Ronnie's here too. We're both pretty chuffed. Big win for Tux this evening. You know, Tux of Nick's our alma mater. So Ronnie, good weekend? Long weekend? Yeah, long weekend. Um, not as much rugby as I would have hoped for, although there's still more rugby than there was time in the week, in the weekend, uh, but still very exciting. Yeah, you know, long weekends are never long enough, but it's good to have the Monday off as well as the Friday, so like a bit of break there. But as Ronnie said, not that much rugby, especially URC action. Only one game this weekend. South African team's getting a bit of a breather. But yeah, looking at the Varsity Cup, as I mentioned, big win there for Tux of Nooks. Yeah, well done to Tukis. I called that one. Didn't call the other game, the Ikees versus Marty. So UCT versus Stellenbosch didn't quite call that game. I was uh, pretty confident in UCT's ability to take it take the win when you looked at super brood was 49 to 51 percent you know of people that 51 percent being those that backed marty's you know i just looked at that and thought you know when in doubt to pick the home team so i went for ikes and uh well what an embarrassing loss for them yeah you know in all honesty i was expecting a marty or an ikes shimless final and here we sit with a Marty's Tux final. Yeah, absolutely. So at least the reigning champs made it through with uh, Tuckies. It was an outstanding game. So, so well done. So looking there at the first game between Marty's and Ikey's, you know, that was played on the Green Mile. I'm actually curious as to why the stadium is called the Green Mile. Do you know, Ronnie? It's a mile of green bush. I actually watched the Green Mile movie last night. And then I found that quite curious. So if any of our listeners know why it's called the Green Mile, we'd love to hear from you in the comments. Marty's winning that 58-19. You know, they led with their forwards. They established dominance in the scrums and the malls early. And a hat-trick for their hooker, Sean Swart. That was quite a quite a feat from him up front. Yeah, well, the hookers are always going to score when there's a five-meter line-out. So it's just the reality of, of the way the laws have, have unfolded. So the hookers are really scoring more tries these days. But yeah, absolutely, it was a blowout for, for Marty's, you know, away from home. Not that it was very far from their home, but well done to them. There was a good, decent crowd there. Yeah, there was a decent crowd there, which was also lacquer to see. You know, the return of the fans has been welcomed all around the country. But very nice to see it at, at Varsity Cup, you know, rugby that rocks. And then, you know, Ikey's won the same fixture three weeks ago against Marty's 44-27. So quite a turnaround there. We also saw Shimness winning the, the previous fixture. So, you know, not to say that your previous result's going to lead to you winning this one. Playoffs are a whole different animal. And did you see that yellow card 14 seconds into the game? Yeah. Straight from the kickoff, a yellow card. That was a little bit ridiculous. Um, but ultimately, I think special mention for fly half, Nivaldo Fleurs. You know, he's actually a fullback, was called up to, to start at 10 for the injured captain, Andre van der Bank. And I thought he put in a pretty solid performance. He ran that back line well. And yeah, deserves... I think he had an 80% kick uh, success. Kick success. Uh, so well, I think it's 80%. Somebody can correct me. Might just be a little bit higher than that. But a lot of tries, a lot of kicking opportunity for him. I also thought he played exceptionally well. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good performance from him. As well as Siba Balwe, I'm not going to try and pronounce your surname but who stepped in at fullback. He also had a stellar performance from the back there. And, you know, then moving over to Shimlas in the free state. Yeah, I think the Shimlas, it was a, obviously a, a much closer game than the Ikes versus Marty's one, uh, which is very glad that Tux pulled it through at the end. I think Shimlas' defense, uh, sorry, uh, discipline let them down uh, towards the end there. A couple of yellow cards. I felt they, 
you know, that BMT was sort of lacking, I suppose. And then Tux just managed to keep their heads down and, and the points came. So well done to Tux. Yeah, and you know, as I mentioned there, Shimless actually won the previous fixture this year, 26-15. And that was in round eight. So again, you know, playoff rugby, Marty's Tux are the two most successful teams. And that's coming through with the experience in the squad. They're managing to win the semifinals set up a final so yeah i think we also just have to make mention that uh, some of the other teams that didn't make it to the top four played exceptionally well i think uj really well i mean tux almost didn't make it into the top four yeah, tux only beating out picker by one point on the log 30 yeah. and 29 yeah absolutely so tux uh, reigning champs but lucky to make it into the top four yeah no very lucky and then you know managing to now slot their way into another final and I think the difference came in when Tux's bench, you know, loaded with experience, took to the field, and then their maul and their scrums really were unstoppable. The power from Pretoria. And you know what's funny? Shimless, their attacking rugby is phenomenal. You know that they hold the record this year across all Varsity Cups previously played for most tries and most points scored in a season. Who was that? Did you say the Shimless? Shimless. Outstanding from them. Honestly, they've... You know, they've obviously been doing very well over the last couple of years. A couple of disappointing results that didn't go quite go their way, but, you know, genuinely a force to be reckoned with. I think the competition as a whole um, is fantastic, so a lot of the teams can win on any given day. Yeah, and I think, you know, Shimless last year had a, a real shocker of a season. They won one game from their nine fixtures. Oh, well, then so, I stand corrected. They haven't had such a great run. So to make it through and top the log with that result this year... And I think a big point of difference from them is Swayze De Brain as their attack coach. So I think that's definitely contributing. You know, the former Lions and, and Bach assistant coach, he's he's coaching there and he's definitely made a big difference to that side. And then I just, you know, we're both front rows here, Ronnie. Have to give a shout out to Ethan Berger. Did you see that number one's intercept against Shimless tonight? I just want to clarify I'm not a front rower. <laughs> oh no you're not I lie you're an 8th man eh? Yeah. Shame. I might be in the front row if I went back to rugby today sure but that's unlucky hey 8th men are all lazy we know the smartest guys play in the front row but yeah a big shout out to Ethan Berger love the intercept pity you didn't manage to finish it off but definitely a lack of thing to witness and then Stefan Kutsia tucks fullback also slotting a 53 meter penalty that's quite impressive I remember the days when Franz Stein was the only one pulling these sort of things off and now 50-meter kicks are not that uncommon in the game. Yeah, you see them all over. And there's definitely something in the free state. Maybe it's just not, not just the schools from the area, but if you go down to the free state, you can expect your ball to travel a little further. Yeah, and then Ronnie, looking at our Super Brew log, R.F. Smith, UP Tux, Lakatuki's representing here, leading the log in first place. Good to see. And then we have Iceman in second place on 52 points. Another Tux student, that's Jan van Dijk. Uh, he's also doing well there, holding up the Tux flag. And then we have, in third place, someone from Marty's. Hopefully it's reflective of what's going to happen in the final. But Andre Haynes, he's in third place for us on the log. So one round of fixtures left. The final, Marty's versus Tux. Yeah, what are your predictions there, Ronnie? Well, I, like I said, the competition really is its quite even amongst the various teams in, in Varsity Cup. I honestly think this is a 50-50. And with that said... Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to back the Marty's uh, team because when in doubt, pick the home team. Prof Delaray, I know you're not in charge anymore, but he did not mean that. Tux of Nix, I'm backing the Boykies to bring it home. I think their performance in this game will give them great momentum. 
Uh, Staley's suffering a couple of injuries, although Tuck's as well in the 10 channel. But yeah, definitely excited and Ronnie, I guess we'll see after or in next week's episode who was right, eh? For sure. Curry Cup action? Yeah, some interesting games. I think my game of the weekend actually comes from the Curry Cup. Uh, so, we'll, But before we get there, we'll just start off with the Greek Quiz versus Lions being played at Vitz. I think there were some last-minute changes in the venue. Ended up going to Vitz, which I actually quite enjoy. I enjoy it when they go and play games at some of the smaller stadiums or some of these arbitrary uh, places around the country. Uh, so... You know, very cool for them to go and play at Vitz. I think Supersport does a very good job to rally the troops and get all uh, the technology and all the hardware in place to to film these games and have everything going. So well done to them. I thought the Lions had, you know, good good set pieces. Uh, you know, a good line out, but they just didn't have the gas in the first half for some reason. But then, what an incredible comeback, really, in my opinion. But then, right at the end, the Greek was just took it, uh, took the win back. So. Fairly good comeback. I thought uh, some of the standout moments for me, some of the emotion coming from Yanni. You know, he had his words with the referee. It's always nice to see Yanni 2 plus 3 have a words. And then, uh, yeah, obviously, even with the yellow, uh, Greg was still managed to pull it off at the end there. Yeah, I mean, that comeback you mentioned there, Ronnie, it was 13-3 at halftime in favor of the Greg was. Lions pulling it back to 16-13 and then ultimately losing, losing the game. So that was a bit disappointing from them. Uh, Grick was stealing it. And, you know, Grick was uh, above lines, lying bottom of the log. Grick was lying in fourth. So I guess a bit of an expected result there. Yeah, for sure. I just think Grick was did exceptionally well. Uh, you know, I think that last try was a 13-phase try. So, you know, they managed to keep their discipline, keep their focus, and it ended up with them uh, with a match-winning try of 90 seconds to go or something to go. And then down to Cape Town, Western Province versus the Cheetahs. Yeah, that was my game of the weekend. I also uh, thought that was a bit of a cracker. Yeah. You've got to love every game where Franz Dane wins man of the match. Yeah, absolutely. So, firstly, game of the weekend. I, I don't really have much to say. I thought both teams played exceptionally well. And well I mean, Viapia leading 21-7 at 51 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Cheetahs then coming back 28-21, final score. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I really don't know what else to say here. I just thought it was an incredible game to watch. Very exciting if you were a Cheetahs fan, for that matter, if you were a Viepia fan as well. Uh, just disappointing result for you, obviously. But what a great game. Yeah, what a great game. And I think Harvey's Fari accurately summing up, you know, the importance of Ruan Pina as captain, Franz Stein, and the experience they bring. Turning around a 21-point deficit is no easy task with only... 20 minutes left or 30 minutes left on the clock. Yeah, for and sure. well done to the Cheetahs. They're undefeated still. They're one point behind the Bulls on the log, and they have a game in hand. Yeah, so absolutely. definitely the team to beat in the Curry Cup. And aside from the fact that it was a good game, in my opinion, I just thought there were some really exceptional players. I enjoy watching Tim Swill these days. Obviously, his stint in Japan has done him done him well because I feel like he's actually playing really well for Vierpia. In the previous game, Zalinger played well. I just want to go back to that. So well done, Zalinger. But then Tristan Lades, I think, you know, he's doing exceptionally well. Tristan Lades, what a legend. Some standout performers there for sure. And just another shout out to the Cheetahs. We love you here at Rugby Panther. Thank you for following us. Sharks, we're waiting. What can you say? The Cheetahs, I've already predicted them as winners of the Curry Cup. So they're doing me proud at the moment even though I'm a Sharks fan. And unfortunately, the Sharks' first Bulls game being cancelled due to the flooding down there in Durban. You know, our thoughts go out to everyone down that side. Pity the game was called off, but ultimately I think the correct decision and the team's taking a draw. 
Yeah, for sure. There's not much you can do with massive flooding in the in in the region, and uh, yeah, it's absolutely the right decision. So, uh, what actually happened there? Did we give two points apiece? Yeah, two points apiece. So the Bulls won't be too happy with that, considering they're trying to stave off the cheaters who are only one point behind them. But yeah, like you say, I mean, we saw in the Easter Rugby Festival this weekend, the St. John's Field was absolutely destroyed. I don't think you want to do that to Kings Park and on top of everything else going down there. So yeah, ultimately, fairest decision there was, I think. Yeah, there's time and a place for everything. And I just think rugby took uh, a backseat um, with respect to what's going on in the in the province. And then, Ronnie, did you see that, hey? France, Stain knows that Buffalo applies. I don't ever want to hear from you again. Oh, it's not Buffalo. We're not playing Buffalo. We are always playing Buffalo. Stain is always playing it. We're always playing it. What a legend. I just need you to understand, did he not take his Buffalo drink with the right hand? No, he drank it with the left. What a legend. What a legend. Off the field, 80 minutes, walks into the stand and downs a beer. You know, getting one ahead. And for me, that's why he's going to the World Cup in 2023. Rassi needs a fines master at the very least. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Franz Stein doing exceptionally well there. I think firstly, he, uh, he, he challenged uh, Prince Harry. And now obviously downing a beer for the fans. So, you know... That's what uh, that that's what brings us closer to the game. Yeah, I think Prince Harry did well not to enter that competition, seeing how quickly old France slapped that beer this weekend. But yeah, what a player! Love the player, and you know personalities like that. Some guys really do just transcend what they achieve on the field and the game itself. You know, I think of like a, a Francois Lowe, a Skulk Brits, uh, Richie McCaw. You know, they, they did excellent things on the field, but their personality off Sonny Bill Williams, another one. Yeah, I think I have huge respect for those players. And it's it's not just about performing on the field. It's also about setting good examples. Uh, maybe Franz Stein's video shouldn't be shown to the youngsters. But, uh, you know, look, it's all about uh, doing it, having a bit of fun as well while we play the sport we love. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, Ruan Pina also like it to see him there and jamming so well and Really, he is playing well. It's not a player saying he should be retiring. He is really performing for the Cheetahs. Yeah, I think uh, I would actually like to see him at the Shocks. I know he is on our payroll. He is one of our players that we've loaned out, as far as I understand. So I wouldn't be too sad to see him come over to the Sharks. Yeah, maybe he could fill in the void we have at Flyhalf, actually. I'd also love to see France come to the Sharks, to be honest, Ronnie. But yeah, hopefully we're going to see the the announcement of Rohan or Damien or someone there in the coming days and then urc shield a lifeline being thrown to the cheetahs there what yeah do you think so of i was it, saying to you earlier so sometimes we do chat outside of the podcast it's not just that uh, we talk rugby in the podcast but i was just saying to nick i actually didn't understand knew that the ur shield so united rugby shield was uh, even on the cards but that seems to be something um that they are talking about and uh, the cheetahs have have said that you know, they're waiting for some feedback at the end of this month, uh, end of April, yeah. to, to hear if they can join that. Yeah, Harvey's for saying though, that this has been promised to them since 2020. And I definitely think they're a side deserving of, of a quality competition. And I would back the Cheetahs to, to make it through a relegation game and, and make their way back. Especially when you look at how weak some of the Welsh sides are. Might be good to add another South African one in there. I absolutely agree. You know, sometimes I think... Uh, uh, second tier competitions uh, with promotion relegation structures aren't always a good idea but I think in this case it's absolutely a brilliant idea 
you know, put the cheetahs in the UR shield and have them work their way up to see potentially if they can get onto the USC. Then, you know, we'll have five South African teams and we'll push all the Welsh teams uh, into the UR shield. Yeah, I think what you said there is quite interesting, Ronnie, is that it's not always a good idea. And I think you have to consider it from the perspective of other franchises and what happens to them if they get relegated. You know, bad season, they get relegated. They have all these marquee players, no way of generating an income. Yeah. It can be chaotic as well. So whilst in in viewing terms it might be a good product, it can be very, very risky for the commercial side of the game. So definitely some thought to be given there. But I think for a URC Shield, it might be difficult to get teams together to compete in that. You know, would you look at the Georgians or maybe Romania, maybe the Pumas and the Cheetahs or, you know... Just clarify that you talk about the South African Pumas. Yes, the South African Pumas. You know, how do you structure a tournament like that? So I think a lot more information needed before any real assessment of its viability can be made. I think the winners from the Super Rugby should be put in the UR Shield. <laughs> the Crusaders get in there, they'll smash everyone, man. Although we might see Crusaders versus Cheetahs later this year, which would be quite exciting. And on that note, actually, Ronnie... Did you see that the Blues beat the Crusaders? Yeah. I just have to throw that in there now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My boy beating your boy and Lux. Who's your boy? Bowden Barrett, my friend. You guys going on a date anytime soon? Yeah, he's got my number. But Richie Moonga, your man, coming off second fiddle, hey? Yeah, it's okay. Sometimes you got to lose a game to appreciate the win more. So, <laughs> it's just said like a proper loser, hey? Well, I guess this is adding good fuel to the fire for our debate later on in a couple of episodes' time about the Bowden versus Richie debate. <laughs> so I, I raised that, obviously, if you listen to the podcast, I think it was two episodes ago, that I felt that Richie Moonga was a better 10 uh, and that uh, Bowden Barrett, although an incredibly great player, should be playing fullback, considering his brother has now expressed interest to play center. So that's for sure something to look forward to. We're going to discuss that in uh, podcasts to come. And then, Ronnie, what about the uh, MRL? Have you got any information for us there? Yeah, so the Major League Rugby, and I'm definitely going to talk about this at the end of the podcast in Ronnie's two cents again. I may be repeating myself, but look, uh, after this weekend's results, the the log is as follows. We've got the Gilgronies, then the Free Jacks, followed by Giltinis, Atlanta, Toronto, New York, uh, and then the bottom half, San Diego, Seattle, Houston, New Orleans, Utah, Old Glory, and then... Right at the bottom is the Dallas Jackals. So Did you see Nanu's pass in that Giltini's game to win it for them? No, hey? but I'm going to talk about exactly why I didn't see that pass, which is incredibly 39-year-old, bumps it off, offloads it, Giltini steal the win right at the death. Yeah, absolutely. So some of the results this weekend, we've got the Gilgronies, the top of the log, uh, beating the bottom of the log. So Gilgronies beating Dallas. Uh, we've got the Giltinis that uh, that beat Houston. We've got Toronto that beat New Orleans. Seattle being, beating San Diego. And then Old Glory beating uh, Utah. So I don't think anything was too much of an upset in there. The top of the, the top team in the in the log beat the bottom team, except for Utah, Old Glory, and San Diego and Seattle. But they're the bottom half of the log. So what does that matter? Yeah, you know, the, it's really a pity that we aren't able to watch the MLR with ease. Something I'd like to see, but good to see some results in there. And there's some top quality players that have moved over to that side and are, Matt are not Gitto. playing there. Yeah, Matt Gitto, Adam Ashley Cooper. A lot of South Africans. Nani, yeah, there's tons of South Africans there. 
We've previously spoken about Gary Gold coaching the U.S. side. And they, I see they actually also bring out a documentary now called When Eagles Fly. So oh, that could be quite a cool thing to terrible watch. Terrible name. Yeah, Ronnie, it seems like you're already warming up for that rant, aren't you? Heineken Cup, some of the other games that happened over the weekend. Yeah, Heineken Cup was a lacquer one. I got to watch a couple of these. Yeah, no, Toulouse getting a comprehensive win over Ulster, knocking Ulster out, 30-23 win. I consider that an upset, in all honesty. You I... consider that an upset? Toulouse lo- beating Ulster. Yeah. They've got Antoine Dupont, yeah. the alleged world player of the year. No, for sure. I think uh, Ulster were, in my opinion, firm favourites in that. Um, and then to lose, obviously taking that, which is an upset. But there was one other upset. So in contrast to last week, this week they weren't playing to lose. They played to win. Yeah, and then what else, Ronnie? The other upset I thought was Sale beating Bristol. Yeah, Sale beating Bristol was also definitely an upset. Uh, racing, 33, started front, say 22. Also an interesting one. And then Damien Dialende getting across the line for Munster to send Exeter home. So Yeah, no, absolutely. And then a couple more games that actually happened. Leicester, Clermont. Um, we've got the Harlequins that also pipped Montpellier. And then Leinster beating Connacht. I thought the Leinster-Connacht down was a dead giveaway. That was always going to be Leinster. And, game. you know, even with Quinns beating Montpellier, Montpellier still goes through on points difference. So yeah, Marcus Smith missing that kick was quite a, a disappointment. But did you see his dummy that Andre Esterhazen fell for? <laughs> well, oh, that was silly. That was unreal. So yeah, I mean that sets up quarterfinals now, which will see Munster face Toulouse, Leicester and Leinster. That's actually great for the South African sides because Leinster's keeping the majority of their squad that side. Racing versus Sale and La Rochelle versus Montpellier. Hmm. Uh, some exciting games absolutely to look forward to. Yeah, very exciting rugby on display up there. Very exciting results in the Heineken Cup, but uh, before we move on to sort of the end of the podcast and the formalities there with, let's just talk about Ampere Dianti. Yeah, so he's set to, you know, sort of getting back into training, looking at a return for next year, possibly with the Sharks. What do you think of that, Ronnie? Yeah, look, so, you know, let's just let's just get it out there. It's been four years, or it's been three years now. Uh, next year, August will be four years, I believe. Uh, he's obviously shown interest in coming to the Sharks, but I don't think we should forgive him. Yeah, I also struggle with this whole concept of, you know, was it one mistake? You know, was he just trying to recover from injury to make it for the World Cup? And then I look at the other side of the coin where we're so lambasted for for doping and people think we're these steroid junkies here in South Africa. Does that player really deserve the second chance? You know, it's it's a tough call, and especially after what Chili Boy Radapele did. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Sharks have been here before. They've uh, they've watched the show with with Chili Boy. Unfortunately. Um, Chili Boy Ralapele just let us down at the end there. He, you know, he was a very exciting player. Uh, he earned his Springbok uh, cap caps. You know, he even capped, uh, captained us in one of those official, uh, unofficial uh, games in the US. But he let us down, absolutely. And I'm, I'm concerned that uh, Deontay's going to let us down. But, I mean, before we discuss that, and you mentioned it, are we steroid junkies in South Africa? Because I like to think we're not. Yeah, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of debate around this and we've actually seen it a lot on our social media lately where guys are calling us steroid users because of the size of our players. But to those guys, I want to tell you, go and sit outside Uffies and watch the under-16s walk out from that school. There are some big genes in this country and I'm not talking about the pants. Those guys are big in school. They get bigger when they hit university and by the time they're representing their franchises and the Springboks, they are massive players. I mean, Archeos Neyman, Afi's old boy, down the road here, he's a giant. And to some of them, it really is just natural. 
it's not our fault that you guys don't get enough sun in the UK. Yeah, I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little bit more pessimistic or cynical here. I mean, our country is so riddled with corruption. You know, who's to say that it doesn't extend into our sports? You know, are our coaches not starting at an early age priming our players to use sort of these forbidden substances and and operate in the grey areas? That it just becomes part and parcel of becoming a a sportsman or at least a rugby player, a professional rugby player in this country. I'm a little bit concerned. I think Deontay made a mistake and he's obviously paid the price. And when he comes back, he's going to be really old. I mean, relatively speaking, to, I think, have another, to have more impact at the Sharks or, you know, if he later on does does go to the Springboks. I think it's sad, uh, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think it's definitely a difficult situation. And I actually think this topic could be explored for a good segment of an episode Maybe we can uh, persuade a sports lawyer friend of ours to join the show. He deals with doping cases. Give us a bit of more information. We'll have a chat with him and see if we can get him on here. But yeah, all in all, it's possible. But I think it's sports-wide. We have a lot more rugby players in this country than most countries. And statistically, maybe it is actually equal across the board. So, you know, that's something that we need to look at. But I'm a bit uncomfortable with Apiwa Dianti's return, and even more so if it is to my side, the Sharks. Because, look, let's just admit, he was incredibly exciting, and he won that game for us against uh, the All Blacks, I felt. You know, although the team played exceptionally well, you know, he scored, He was a try-scoring machine, and he was an absolute legend. See, and then he let me down. See, when people tell me someone's on testosterone, I just picked your chest there, because that's all I got from my testosterone. I could never run 100 meters that quickly. <laughs> So yeah, Ronnie, all in all, difficult one to say at this point in time. What do you have for us? Are you ranting today? I am going to rant today. Oh, so obviously, I wasn't ready for this. Obviously, in preparation uh, for today's podcast, I had a look at the, the MLR, so Major League Rugby, trying to catch some of, the, some of the highlights. And obviously, as a South African, what you know is super sport. And, you know, it was just incredibly sad to see that I absolutely couldn't find anything, Japanese rugby or, or the MLR. I honestly think super sport just needs to change their name to slightly above average sport. Or what? Some of the world of champions. <laughs> yeah, some <laughs> of the world of champions. Some of the super sport around the world. So it's incredibly sad to see. I mean, you, you said it. It's really difficult for us to... We can't watch live games unless we download all sorts of apps and and go through sort of unofficial channels. Uh, and click on those dodgy <laughs> internet links, Ronald. <laughs> no, for sure. But then you've got you've to watch the results uh, on YouTube or find a Facebook stream or something like that. This is ridiculous. We, we, we want Major League Rugby. We want Japanese Rugby. We've got South Africans playing uh, in both sort of uh, regions in the world. We want to watch the game. We want to watch all the rugby we possibly can. Um, I'm sick and tired of watching the same South African teams play each other over and over again. Give us some uh, some Japanese rugby and some Major League rugby on Super I mean, Sport. Half our players are that side anyway. It would yeah. be like it to well, watch. Ma- maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I could. Just, maybe I'm the I'm the idiot here that can't find it anyway. But uh, I don't see it anywhere on on Super on any of the Super Sport Sport channels. So that's my my rant. Can, Hopefully somebody from Supersport would listen and just be like, yeah, no, listen, Ronnie, just for you, we're going to put these two tournaments uh, televised on our channels. Now, Ronnie, I must admit your rant this evening spoke a lot of sense, so I'll give you that one. I won't give you too much shit in this episode. Just give me two cents. Yeah, two cents. That's what you get. And then looking at Saturday, were you right last week? I don't believe I was right. No, you weren't wrong. No matter if you believe it or not. You definitely went wrong. I think you actually ended up going for Berwick Barnes. And then 
the correct answer was the honey badger nick cummins what a legend yeah the so he kind who's... of threw me off because as i was going through it i thought yeah well this sounds like quacha yeah you um, thought it was a cape zebra yeah i thought the the latin name was that for cape for a cape zebra and um obviously it wasn't and then when you said he wasn't a world cup winner i was just completely thrown off so i had yeah. to go for Beric barnes then it's the man a, himself the one that's guess. busier than a one-armed bricklayer in baghdad yeah so what do you have for me this week that's another name the player you're going to get your three questions as always. Clues being posted on the site and the answer coming on Saturday. So you ready for this one, Ronnie? Do I have a choice? Not really. So this player, Ronnie, made his international debut at the age of 25 in 1989. So we're doing a bit of a throwback here. He has 34 test caps to his name. In that time, he scored 115 points. Made up of 10 tries, 17 penalties, and 7 conversions. He was the South African Player of the Year. He retired in the same game as Ian McIntosh and Gary Teichman, two of the South African greats. His final test match for the box was against Australia in 1997. He went to UFS as a student, you know Shumlas, and he was a three-time Curry Cup winner. What are your questions? So firstly, uh, is he a World Cup winner? Yes, this is the go-to every time. Uh, well, <laughs> like you said, it narrows it down quite nicely. Yes, he's a goal. He's a World Cup winner. All right. Uh, which South African franchise did he play for? He represented our team, the Sharks. All right. And uh, what year was he Player of the Year? He was Player of the Year, winning the award in 1996. Sure. Well, you know, these are the early years. I was very young at this stage, so... Uh, I think my guess this week is going to be Joel Stransky. Well, Ronnie, you've helped the listeners out with a couple of your questions. I'm not going to say you have the right answer. You're going to have to wait for Saturday to check that one out. But yeah, guys, we'll let you know on social media. Give us your comments. If you've been enjoying the episodes, guys, please get in touch. Let us know your thoughts, things you want us to cover. We're always happy to hear it and looking for ideas. We read all the comments. So if you comment on something that you absolutely want in the podcast, let us know and we'll do it. Yeah, guys, so please, we really are appreciating the feedback we have been receiving. We will check you guys back here next week Thursday with a fresh episode. Absolutely. Cheers, guys.